0: Of Leafs Lunch continues here on PSN 1050. I'm Mike DiStefano. And I've got Luca Celebre with me here filling in for Julia He who's on the world junior beat. And we got a leaf game tonight, though. Well it's a Canada game too. Canada should uh should should absolutely roll in, in their game tonight. So should the Maple Leafs. I mean, they're going up against the Arizona Coyotes who I mean, they're not a terrible team. They're not as bad as we thought they would be. They've actually been a rather respectable team, like a dignified tank job, perhaps is is what the Coyotes have been uh, have been doing this year. Is that a is that a proper way to say that?
1: Yeah, that that checks out. They've won three in a row, though. They're uh, they're playing pretty well right now, beating some some decent teams. Coming off a six three win against the Avs, so that's got to have the confidence up, but. Uh, Dylan Gunther now playing at the World Juniors instead of playing with the Coyotes, so you you lose some scoring there. But uh, but yeah, they've they've been respectably tanking. I like that assessment of of what they're doing.
0: So I'm curious, as as someone who who had just watched this team play, when you watch them play Colorado the night, it was a six three win as you mentioned. Um, you know who stood out to you? Who's uh, who's a guy that's kind of ro- rolling right now for, for Arizona?
1: You know what I I feel like this guy's career kind of started a little slow, but Lawson Krause has, the last couple of seasons, he's been really, really good, and I think he's kind of lived up to his draft draft day billing where he was selected it wasn't looking good early on in his career but uh, it's it's important to remember that sometimes it it just takes time with these guys and i know another guy on that team barrett hayden it, it looks like things are just not progressing in the right direction with him former fifth yeah. overall pick but who knows maybe maybe his game translates and turns around but kraus and clayton keller is Point-per-game guy, I feel like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle as far as um, some of the more talented players in hockey and considering kind of the position he's in playing in Arizona. There's obviously, um, I don't want to say there's no talent around him because there is, but it's not like the elite-level talent that most first-line stars play with. And um, he still manages to just put up points in in that situation. So Clayton Keller is, is awesome. I love watching him too.
0: Yeah, he's a good player. Um, and grew up with Austin Matthews, so good, good friend of Matthews. I think they skate together and play, uh, you know, in the summers in Arizona. Um, you know, for for me, a, a lot of people don't realize how good Corel milk is. I feel, and we're gonna have Craig Morgan on in just a couple of moments, but you know, he's a really good quality goaltender who doesn't get talked about enough. Like I was digging into his numbers, and his surface level stats don't jump off the page at you with three hundred nine goals against and nine ten save percentage. But he's third in the NHL, despite allowing that many goals. Still third in the NHL in goal saved above expected. Wow! Like that's how poor this Yotes team plays defensively. That Belmalka is still top three in goal save above expected, despite having a 309. 309- Goals against average, like does that just nuts. say something to you? <laughs> it is nuts. Like they give up a lot of high danger scoring opportunities, and you know Toronto's been known to uh, to generate a whole lot. I think tonight they'll be able to maybe take advantage and feast there. They're second in the NHL in high danger goals per sixty, but a couple of interesting notes uh, about tonight: the lineup look a little different. Morgan Riley will return as we've talked about throughout the show. If you've missed it, um, not going to be on the first power play unit though. Uh, is on PP2, but the Leafs electing to roll with the five-man forward power play unit uh, for for the time being. So we'll see how that looks tonight. But Dryden Hunt will be making his debut as well on the fourth line. Um, He was acquired for Dennis Mulligan a couple weeks ago, has yet to crack the lineup, um, and will now get an opportunity to play and make his debut. For the Maple Leafs, I mean, what? Again, uh, since you are a Colorado guy, you know <laughs> a little bit more about Dryden Hunt than maybe a, a lot of people in Leafs Nation. So, you know, you excited to finally get to see what he can do here in a Leafs uniform tonight?
1: I mean, it was a short stint in Colorado, so we we didn't get to see the the uh, oh, large games? sample size. <laughs> yes, yeah, I guess kind of medium-ish sample size. No. What do you think? Does does he get a tribute video tomorrow? <sighs> I don't think so. I don't yeah, think enough. so. I think uh, I think he's not getting one. I, I don't think Connor Timmons is getting one tonight in Arizona, but I think Connor Timmons will get one from the Avs on Saturday night, which honestly I keep forgetting that it's it's New Year's Eve and the Avs and Leafs are going at it, and uh, I'm so excited for it, although I'd be more excited if McKinnon was playing.
0: Yeah, that'll be a good game. That'll be a good game. But uh, you know, tonight I think is, again, important. Toronto can't be looking forward because mm-hmm. Arizona they're playing some good hockey right now. They just took down the Avalanche the other night and they'll look to take down another Titan here in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, to join us to talk about that game is Craig Morgan, writer for uh, Phoenix Sports covering the Arizona Coyotes. Craig, how's it going? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh we're doing uh, we're doing pretty well. We were just talking about Connor Timmins and you know, since he got traded to Toronto, things have actually gone pretty swimmingly. It took him a couple of weeks to get into the lineup, but since then, uh, he's fit in pretty well and looks like a, an NHLer. I mean, why, why didn't this work out in, in Arizona, and is there any chatter about, you know, just the fact that that trade is working out so well for Toronto? Is there any any hint from the fan base that they're a little upset about how that whole thing went down?
2: Yeah, I think so. And this, this one, I think, was hard to understand for, for a couple of reasons. The Coyotes don't have a, a heck of a lot of depth in their prospect system on, on defense. And then when you look at the fact that he's a young, big, right-handed defenseman, and you just wonder why the Coyotes were were willing to move on from him. Um, I know that they, they thought about waiving him. What they really thought he needed was to play a lot of games in a lot of situations, in the AHL, they really thought that that was best for his development, and they may prove right. Look, we'll see what happens when Toronto gets healthy. If if Connor Timmons is actually in the same role once the Leafs are fully healthy, I know I, I have I have doubts about that. And then if he gets slotted into you know a third pair role with not playing a lot of minutes, will that be good for his development? I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it all lays out, but. With with regard to uh the, the Coyotes, they, it, again, it comes back to they just felt like he wasn't ready to be a, a regular NHLer yet. You can look at this team and say, well, there was certainly a spot for him on the Coyotes' blue line with what the team is trying to do right now. But did they want to put him in that situation? Did they think that that was best for his development to be in those tough minutes on a team that's, quite frankly, got to give up a lot of shots, be playing a lot of defense? I don't know. That That was their... Analysis, we'll see how it works out, but it, it, you just hope for the best for Connor Timmons. I, I got to know him a little bit, really got to know his dad well. Great family. You just hope yeah. it works out with all that he's been through with the injuries.
1: Yeah, the injuries were... I remember I'm an Avalanche fan and supporter, and when he was in Colorado, you always saw the flashes, but um, it always seemed like an injury just happened at the worst time for him, and he was supposed to be one of the big pieces in that Kemper trade that that Arizona got back. So, um, like you said, just happy to happy to see him succeeding and thriving. Um, the Coyotes are driving right now, too. Three wins in a row, a big win against those Avs, 6-3. Um, I think a lot of people, when they talk about this team, they talk about Talk about either just the, the their chances at Connor Bedard or the atmosphere at Mullet Arena. So, what's that been like? And, and what are what are some of the maybe surprises of the atmosphere that you've noticed? Maybe the, the challenges covering the team in Mullet Arena, anything like that? That insight that you can give us.
2: <laughs> well, first of all, the challenge of covering them is that the, the there's no real press box for NHL games. There's a small press box for college. But the NHL has basically commandeered that for all of its people. So we sit along the rail just above the concourse. And whenever there's action, the fans stand in front of us. So <laughs> you're left to look at screens and try and figure out what the heck's happening in front of you. But look, that's yeah, first world problems, right? It's, it's not that big a deal. We're, we're working around it. It's unbelievable to be basically in the 14th row of, of an arena watching a hockey game. It's a whole different perspective than I've had really ever as a media member, usually you're way up in the catbird seat watching the game from a different perspective. So you, you get an appreciation for the speed and the physicality of the game and, and really that you just get a, a better vibe. Um, there's just so much more atmosphere, so much more excitement when you're down there. So that's what I'd say about covering it. Um, but as far as the Coyotes, guys, this isn't the plan. <laughs> they're, playing, they're playing too well right now. They are, uh, they're, they're not Position to get Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, even Leo Carlson right now because they're playing too well. Particularly in this arena where they're six three and two, and I believe five one and one in their last seven games, they're taking advantage of this atmosphere where I think it's an adjustment for visiting teams that come in for the first time because it feels like everything's right on top of you because you don't have that upper bowl, and it's it's a raucous atmosphere, but. Like I said, the, the whole plan here was with the rebuild was this was the draft. This was the time that you want to get to the top of the draft. And now, at least at this point in the season, they are not in position for that.
0: Well, so how bittersweet is it to see a guy like Carl Vilmalka, you know, the goaltender who seemingly is is stealing some games here for uh, for Arizona this season? I mean, it's got to be good to know, like, okay, we drafted, developed this goalie, and he actually looks like he might be pretty solid. You got him signed up long term, but at the same time. He's might be costing you Connor Petard.
2: <laughs> yes, that, is, that has definitely been a, a point of discussion in this market among the fan base because Melka has been terrific this season, and he has absolutely stolen them some games when they probably had no business winning them. So it's tough, right? Because you, you wonder, you look down the road, how many goaltenders sustain elite level of play for an extended period of time? Will Karel Melka even be part of this franchise, a key part of this franchise, when they get to the point where they're emerging from this rebuild, it, it's tough. And I know there's been some speculation that the Coyotes might look to trade him. I'm just not sure if the, the body of work on Van is big enough where the return would be worthwhile for the Coyotes. There's also, you know, the morale thing to consider. When, when Carter Hutton was playing early last season and really struggling, it just hurt the morale of the team so much. And I think they're cognizant of that. You want to at least have a chance with your goaltender, but... Like you said, the flip side is you're you're getting too good at goaltending. Unlike like the Chicago Blackhawks right now, who are or expertly tanking right now, you're you're not in position for the ultimate goal of the season to get one of those you know franchise centers at the top of the draft.
1: Well,
0: especially after seeing like the way that he and Dylan Genther seem to play and, and connect last night, wouldn't it be nice if you Oof. could solidify Bedard and then have that duo going forward to lead Arizona for the next, what, 10, 15 years?
2: Guys, I have covered this franchise for a very long time, and arguably the only number, one, true number one center that they have ever had is Jeremy Roenick when he came over from the Blackhawks. Way back when, right when this franchise arrived. It's been a long, long drought without that guy in the top. You guys know as well as anyone how important that is to being a contender, how important it is to be, you know, a cup winner. You look at all the teams that have done it over the past really two decades, you gotta have that guy at the top of the lineup. So yeah, it would be unbelievable to cover and watch a player like Connor Bedard playing alongside of a just a pure goal scorer like Dylan Gunther.
0: Yeah, keep her paws off Matthews in a couple of years, by the way. Just, just wanted to say <laughs> that. <laughs> Go ahead, Luke.
1: (laughs) We're talking with Craig Morgan, rather, writer for Phoenix Sports covering the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Jacob Chickering back in the lineup. He's playing really well. I I feel like it's a name that we've all been just tracking for the last year and a half, waiting for the move to happen. Where's he going to go? Is he going to stay? What's the package like? Um, Do you expect a move in the near future? Any rumblings as we, I guess, get closer into the new year, and the deadline will be quickly approaching the next major kind of landmark on the calendar?
2: You know, it's funny. You you hear these ebbs and flows of reports. Oh, talks are heating up with Jacob and Talks have cooled off. It's it's never really that, right? The talks are just ongoing. I, I know that there are a bunch of teams that have expressed interest, I think five or six, with serious interest whether it happens or not is all going to depend again on the asking price bill armstrong isn't budging off of that and the longer jacob chicken plays the way he's playing the more justified you feel especially when you look at some of the trades that happened over the the past year that he's looking at in terms of setting the value of jacob chicken they're going to want a a couple of first round picks they're going to want probably in addition to that a second round pick or a prospect so that's the asking price and in his history i know it's a short history in arizona but he does not budge off his asking prices, and if you look at his track record with some of the other deals, you mentioned the Darcy Kemper deal. I, I heard so many people saying they'll never get a first-round pick for Darcy Kemper. Well, they did. Bill held held firm on that. The only thing that I would say is like if if, if this doesn't happen by the trade deadline, I would I would keep a, a real eye out at, at the draft, and that's where things could change a little bit. If you if you get a team that comes in, you know that says we'll give you our first-round pick, and it's already slotted at say number ten, right? That's certainty, right? It, it's not just, oh, where's this first-round pick going to fall? Is it going to be like 27 or something like that? You know you've got a high first-round pick in an excellent draft, but that's where the price could change a little bit for Jacob Chickering.
0: I'm curious what uh, how active Arizona plans to be, or if you have any knowledge of, of how active they plan to be at least. like, Is this a, a kind of a fire sale situation between now and the deadline? Are there some untouchables here that they've got on the roster? How much movement do you expect uh, – Arizona and Bill Armstrong to or how active do you expect them to be between now and the deadline
2: all oh, as active as he can be and he hasn't hidden that at all they've been the past two seasons they've been acquiring players with the express intent of flipping them to get more draft assets or possibly to get prospects so in addition to Jacob Chickering, and I mentioned you know the sort of the dark horse Corral Bemelka, if somebody's really willing to pay for that sort of goaltending if they get in a situation where they need it badly, he could move. But in addition to those two guys, you look at Shane Gostespierre, who somehow the Coyotes literally got from Philadelphia for nothing, literally gave up nothing. He had 51 points last season. He's going to eclipse that this year. Watching him play with Jacob Chikrin, those two are magic together. I have to believe Bear is another guy that they're looking at. And then you look at a couple maybe – guys down the lineup, depending on what team's needs are and depending on what Bill feels about the return versus what they bring the team. Uh, Nick Bustad has been so important in this room. Just such literally one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And it's just rubbing off on this team. And then Nick Ritchie, if he can regain his early season form, you, you know, there, there's value for a, a big body around the net like Nick Ritchie who can score those garbage goals.
1: Former Leaf, I know. Uh, I know Al's brother here has watched him a whole lot. He he got his chance on the on the first line with the Leafs, which was um, a surprise at the time, and it didn't really work out. But he's he's had a productive year, and I believe in that first meeting of the season, he scored against the Leafs, did he not? Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: It's weird, isn't it? You can't you can't succeed with Austin Matthews and and. Uh, mitch marner but you come and come to arizona with a rebuilding team and suddenly you catch fire and you're you've got your scoring touch back in. i don't, I don't know how some to explain some of the things i see in the nhl
1: it's just hey, the man. way it goes sometimes
0: tyler Boyd doing the same yeah. thing tyler Boyd becomes a top-line yeah, player once yeah, he comes yeah. out to arizona uh we're chatting with greg morgan a writer for for uh, phoenix sports covering the arizona coyotes so we got the game tonight, Leafs and uh, and Yotes. It's the first time Toronto's going to be at Mullet Arena. So now I'm excited to see what what that atmosphere will be like. But you know, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for the Coyotes who will be hosting the Leafs tonight?
2: <laughs> well, those two guys who I just mentioned, right? I mean, Toronto's got so much firepower. It's this has been one of the best teams in the league all season. But for whatever reason, and it really happens more so in Toronto than it happens here. The Coyotes get up for the Leafs. It really means a lot to them. You guys know the, the ridiculous record that the Coyotes have after the past over the past dozen games in Toronto. I think they're ten zero and two in their past twelve games in Toronto. Yep. But seven and five against them in Arizona over that same stretch. They get up for this team. They and they their history this season is they really get up for the big teams. They've had some shocking upsets over top teams in the NHL this season. So. I expect it to be a a really good game. You guys have probably heard that this is one of the fastest ice surfaces in the NHL, so it's going to be a fast game. It's probably going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: We're, we're talking uh, about the NHL, obviously, but we got the World Juniors going on, and there are some Coyotes prospects there, um, and there's also Coyotes prospects in the lineup that have succeeded at the highest level at the World Juniors, specifically Barrett Hayden. I know a lot of people have been watching him and following kind of his, his career, his young career in the NHL, former fifth overall pick. Um, seemed like he had a promising season last year, but the production just doesn't seem to be there this year. Watching him every day, what do you think, is maybe missing from his game or where do you kind of see his future outlook um, beyond this season?
2: As far as what's missing it's just the confidence in the finish. Uh, this last game literally the last game when they beat the Avalanche Andre Turin you said that was probably his best game this season so he's doing a lot of things in other areas of the game that they really like and and honestly if you ask Andre about him he'll, he'll tell you he likes what Barrett Hayton has given him the problem with Hayton is that he's always going to be viewed through the draft lens as the number five overall pick. Did they, did they reach there? Well, maybe they did. I mean, we might be getting to the point where we say, yeah, number five was, was too high for Barrett Hayton. But if you take that away and you just look at what he can bring to the team in the future, maybe as a middle six center, maybe as a number three center, well, you need those in the NHL too. And Baron Hayton looks like he has a really good set to fill that role. So, if that's what he becomes in the NHL, again, you need those guys, and maybe that's okay. It's not like he's under some massive contract. I know the expectations are still there for him to be something else, but if he doesn't become that, it's okay if Barrett Hayton is a number two or number three center.
0: I got one more question for you here, Craig. Uh, which Arizona-based goal scorer will finish with the most goals at the end of the year? Is it Tate Thompson in Buffalo or our guy Austin Matthews here in Toronto?
2: Wow. I, my money's still on Austin. That's what I'll say. Maybe I'm just pandering to your audience right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Austin Matthews, just his shot. So many people have talked about how he may be the best shooter in the game today. So my money is going to be on him. But wow, Paige Thompson has really come out of nowhere. And, and, and funny thing, you guys probably know. Bill Armstrong was the director of amateur scouting in St. Louis when they drafted Cage, and he will go on and on about how he saw this coming, how they believed that this was possible, but they knew it would take a little longer because of his size and, and uh, growing into that frame. But two guys with Arizona ties really ripping it up in the NHL. Uh don't think many people would have expected to say that maybe 20 years ago.
0: No, I don't think so. Just goes to show that maybe, you know, it does work having hockey in those. Not traditional markets, and Matthew Nyes could be that next guy. I know a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans are hoping that to be the case, at the very least. Yeah, uh, thank you so yeah, much he was for a joining beast us. When he came here, yeah, I would Sorry. imagine
2: so. I would when imagine so. He played so. here with the University of Minnesota against ASU. He was unbelievable that second game against ASU. He was literally the best player on the ice. Matthew Nyes, he was just
0: a beast. Love to hear that. Absolutely love to hear that. Well, appreciate taking the time, Craig. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully. Not too many people stand up and, and block your view. Hopefully, you can see all the outstanding plays made tonight, pal.
2: I'm height challenged too, guys, so that doesn't help.
0: Ah, oh, same here, buddy. Same here. It's a challenge sometimes. <laughs> it really is. All right, we'll chat again soon. All right, there guys. Happy New Year. All right, Craig Morgan. You as well, Craig Morgan, writer for Phoenix Sports, covering the Arizona Coyotes.